The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Right now on the big show, Fast Money, a huge jobs report, a major Apple turnaround, and despite a Friday fade, it was another week of gains for the S&P and NASDAQ. How long will this red-hot start to 2023 last? We are going to debate it. Plus, a Friday edition of Trade It or Fade It, setting the table for next week's big earnings reports, including Disney, PepsiCo, Lyft, lots more. And then later on, our chart of the week. It's been one of the most crowded trades on the street. But is it now starting to run out of gas? Hint, hint. Yes, I did. I went there, guys. I'm Dominic Chewin from Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money Live from the NASDAQ market side. On the trading desk tonight, we have Tim Seymour, also Courtney Garcia, Bono and Eisen, and then Jeff Mills as well. Today, we start with a Friday fade on Wall Street. Stocks closing near their lows of the day, losing momentum after a much hotter than expected jobs report. The Nasdaq falling a percent and a half, but still managed to gain for the week. The tech-heavier Nasdaq index riding a five-week winning streak. That's its longest since November of 2021, right before it hit its all-time high. The S&P also closed the week higher, while the Dow, down over 125 points today, was basically flat since Monday. So how do you make sense of the reaction to today's jobs numbers? This is the question because I was on the exchange earlier today. Exciting. We had a seven-person panel across two different segments try to identify what was the reasoning for the market reaction and nobody could find a definitive way to describe it. So, Tim, I'm looking at you well, first. Well, welcome, Dom. And the, the market reaction, though, may be, depending on how you interpret it, mine's, mine's glass half full because good news is good news. When the Fed is hanging around as long as they're going to hang around in terms of even without cutting, um, the fact that the job market is staying as strong and that the, the, the numbers, you'll read about them tomorrow in the paper if you didn't hear them today. But the most important thing is that the participation rate right now for the equity, excuse me, for the job market is still well below pre-pandemic. This was a very strong number, and it's on a relative basis telling you the job market remains strong. I'm not telling you we're not going to go into recession. I'm not telling you we are. I'm telling you a strong job market with the Fed here. Um, and, and the fact that the market was down 1% when this would have been good news, bad news on some level, good news is good news here. And this was such an extraordinary week. It was almost Goldilocks for all macro data. You had an ECI which said inflation is really where we want it. You had the Fed. You have a payroll number. Uh, you know, we'll talk about earnings, too. I, I, I thought it was a really impressive day. So, Courtney, I mean, I, I've heard a number of folks out there in the market call this that Goldilocks scenario, right? Mm-hmm. You, ha- you can have massive, healthy job gains without the hyper-wage inflation. Those wage numbers came in pretty soft, Key, comparatively yeah. speaking. So, Is this a scenario, to Tim's point, where good news is good news? We are creating hundreds of thousands of jobs and wage gains aren't picking up steam. This is like job gains without inflation. 
Yeah, and actually that, that was the exact point that I wanted to bring up is it's wage gains are slowing is the key here. And that's really what the Fed is going to want to see, right? The only way that we can get to that soft landing that they've been saying that they want to get to is we need to have a strong economy and a continued strong labor force is how we're going to get there. But it's that increased wage growth, right? It's showing that it's getting easier for um, companies to find employees. So they're not having to have these huge bonuses and huge raises to get people in any longer. They're even not having to offer as much like fully remote and all of these um, perks to get employees in, which means that inflation may come down, which does lead you to that Goldilocks or that that potential still to a soft, a, um, soft landing. You know, Jeff Mills, I'm, I'm, I want to turn to you here. We did a segment earlier today with Robert Frank, and what he was looking at was the numbers in terms of people who are back in the office, according to Castle Systems, which kind of monitors those swipes that people <clears throat> have at the security desk when they go into an office. You've got 50% occupancy in the top 10 markets they track. It's the first time since the pandemic started that that's happened. It's also having an effect on the commercial real estate market as well. I wonder if this is a scenario where overall you think that the economy has taken a step away from that recessionary chatter that we've been talking about for probably six to eight months at this point coming in this first half of the year. Well, I think to Tim's point, you know, good news should be good news, regardless of the market's reaction today, because I've been talking about this for a while. But I do think the market's eventually going to pivot from being hyper focused on the Fed and interest rates and inflation to really what's going on with the economy and what that means for earnings. So the longer we can see healthy wage gains, we can see healthy employment numbers. You know, these are good things ultimately for the consumer and for earnings. Uh, one of the things that I do think is interesting, though, relative to that wage number, you know, we do have a bit of a bifurcated labor market right now. We have the COVID winners, so they're firing folks as they overhired. Then we have the COVID losers, mostly in the service sector. They're now hiring people, and you know, the employment pool in the COVID losers is about two and a half times bigger than the COVID winners. They're still about five million below pre-COVID levels in terms of headcount, but I think that that mix we're talking about here in terms of hiring and firing is interesting. If layoffs are concentrated in these higher paying positions in tech and finance. And I think we have to be a little bit careful about what that mix means for the wage gain numbers under the surface. You know, is it being skewed by what's going on right now? And once we see that mean reversion in terms of the service sector, hire back those employees, what does that ultimately mean for wages? Are they growing a bit more quickly than we think because of just where the firings are concentrated? Uh, I think, you know, the bottom line is I think this further cements the kind of higher for longer <laughs> mantra for the Fed. Uh, and I do think that that becomes problematic at some point for the economy and for earnings. So, Bonawin, it's, it's an interesting point, the bifurcation that's being brought up right now by Jeff. It's happening. And, and every time I talk about wage numbers and jobs numbers and layoffs and that sort of thing, people respond to me on social media, on Twitter, everything. Hey, you, know, you know where there aren't job losses right now? Industrial, manufacturing, those parts of the economy. So can you really call it a large-scale job decline, layoff-type market if it's concentrated in technology, thousands at a time, but manufacturing and industrial activity is still kind of solid and people are still working. Well, you can call it large scale, but it's not ubiquitous because, it, like you said, it doesn't apply to every particular sector. But you are seeing large scale layoffs. So I think those two things can coexist. I think Jeff brings up a very good point in terms of the bifurcation in terms of what we're seeing and what that translates to in terms of our read on wage growth. Uh, you know, I think ultimately the, the, the weakness that we're seeing in technology and in financials and the strength that we're seeing in services is just a reversion of what we saw going into the pandemic. And when, when you see companies like Apple that has shaken off what 
what has seemed to be uh, some some adverse effects of COVID and, and supply constraints and possibly demand um, uh, weakening. What you're seeing is that even companies like that are still subject to the dynamics that have happened before as that is translated to um, uh, PC sales, right? So drilling down and getting a bit more nuanced, you can kind of see that, yes, today was a very strong read, but if you are still pointing at the Fed and monetary policy being the leading indicator of how we're going to move going forward, that is still an area of focus. What's interesting now is it's become the stock picker's market. And Tim, I want to get to you now because we're showing a chart of Apple. And by the way, Apple at the lows of the session right after the closing bell or shortly thereafter was down 5%, and it closed up on the session by about a couple percent. Tim, you say this is the greatest trading market of all time. So you're over yeah. at the Telestrator. Please yeah. explain yourself. I'm seeing a lot of volatility. Is that what you're well, talking about? the greatest about? trading market of all time is defined by 12 moves of plus or minus 9% trough to peak, peak to trough in this market. And what I'm talking about is going back a year, you have a move here, you have a move here, you have a move here, you have this move, you have this move, you have this move, this move, this move, this move, and this move. Um, some of these moves are 18 to 20 percent. And I want to talk to you about some of the key parts of this. The, 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 the hypothesis is what it is, but the, the theory is that volatility is your friend. It's created opportunities to trade this market. But again, if we're back here, this to me is kind of like, you know, the beginning of peak Fed. The, these June lows were really right about there. That was when I think even despite the fact that the Fed has still not peaked, that's the sense we would priced in, the markets had priced in. What's right here? This is actually peak inflation. You know what that number is? That's that October 13 CPI. Since that point, again, the market has rallied 20 percent from that point. I mean, it's been it's been runaway once we knew we had a peak in inflation. But I think we're going to have some of that. I think we're going to excuse me. You can't draw a line with a circle. But to the penny, I think we could even be selling off here as we're farther above the 200-day than we've been all the way back to last November. This is a case, though, where traders are trading volatility, and I think you have an opportunity to use extreme sentiment, extreme positioning to your advantage. You're still finding great opportunities, and I think in this environment there's going to continue to be that. Simple question, Bonowin. I mean, based upon that, you can kind of see the pattern developing, right? I mean, it's still-ish a downtrend-ish. Mm-hmm. Is this a scenario where this is the bear market rally people talk about? Or is this something where people say, hey, the October lows were it, and this is just going to be some churn before we ultimately head higher? I tend to think so. I think, as the other panelists had mentioned, today's reading and some of the other readings that we've gotten recently makes you step back from that precipice of absolute recession. With that said, we still see 20, 25 percent moves in bear market rallies. And this is this seems to be a garden variety of the same type of situation. The fact is, fact of the matter is that the monetary policy environment that we're in is going to present present more of a challenge to growth than it is going to be a tailwind for growth. All right. So let's turn to Apple because it has been the stock of the day in many ways. The stock is staging a massive turnaround after yesterday's earnings report down more than, again, 5 percent after it started in kind of the day but then closed out the day with a gain of 2%. So that big 7% swing, as you can see there in the charts. So where could it head from here? Let's bring in the chart master himself, Carter Worth of Worth Charting. Uh, Apple, we've talked about it before, Carter. It seems to be that stock that everyone loves to put on their shopping list. Should they be buying the dip in this scenario? Sure. Thanks, Don. So what's key here is where it stopped today by my work. Today's high at 157.38. We're going to look at that. Let's look at the first chart. So what you have here is Apple, and that line might seem arbitrary. Looks like it's arbitrary to me, and yet I drew it. Let's look at the next iteration. (laughs) And here is the thing that, that there's no way around this, right? So Apple got right back to levels 
where it was literally to the penny. You see the numbers annotated, 157 spot 26 in the autumn of 21. Again, 157.50 just this past autumn, and we stopped dead cold at 157.38 today, and it backed away. And so what to do? My hunch is that it's a big move. It's outdistance all of its competitors off of the Jan 1 low, better than Google, better than Microsoft, better than the Qs. It's doubled the performance, uh, tripled the performance of the S&P. And so at this point, I think you fade it. One last chart, it's a relative chart, it's a ratio. It's Apple's relative performance to the S&P. And so you see the great rollover, you see the big ricochet and recovery, but the recovery in the RS line, right, is back to a difficult level, the declining 150-day moving average. I think you faded here, or at a minimum, you sell calls against your long. All right. Carter Worth with the take on Apple. Thank you very much. Stick around. We'll see you in a few minutes on Options Action later on. Uh, Courtney, we'll turn to you for this one. This has been a stock that a lot of folks over the last several years have called recession-proof, mm-hmm. fortress balance sheet, the ones that they can buy in any kind of environment because they pay a dividend, they buy back their own stock in droves. Why do you want to buy or stay away from Apple at this point? Yeah, I mean, I do think it's still something you want exposure to in the long run, but I do have to agree with Carter here. I wouldn't necessarily be chasing this, and I do think it still has some downside potential. I think you are seeing this risk on rally, and you're seeing a lot of money just going into these big tech names right now. But Apple is facing some serious demand concerns. I mean, they just really missed on revenue with iPhone sales, which is still about half of their business. And I just I would not get sucked into this rally right now. And you're seeing this not just with Apple, but all your big tech companies and all your risk on assets. Um, I think there's, you know, it's the sexy and exciting thing to do, but I, I have to agree with Bonwin said this earlier. I think it's uh, technology specifically I do see as more of a, a bear market rally here. There's been a lot of focus on that services business, which is now the second biggest, I think, over there. It's still growing 6% on a year-over-year basis. All right, coming up on the show here, we may be halfway through earnings season, but there are still a ton of big names left to report. You can see them on your screen there. The stock traders are watching next week and how to trade them on the heels of earnings. Plus, are you out of energy? The XLE ETF breaking a long win streak and dropping to its lowest level in a month. So has the trade hit a wall or are there more gains to come? We'll get some answers when Fast Money returns after this break. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link 
your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. With half the S&P still to report earnings, we've got some big names on deck next week, as you can see, like Disney, Lyft, PepsiCo, CVS, and many more. So how should you play some of these names? Let's find out with a little game of... Trade it. Trade it. Or fade it. Hey, there we go. (laughs) That's right. It's exciting. It is traded or faded. Let's kick things off with a look at Disney, which reports after the bell on Wednesday. Jeff Mills, who recently visited the Magic Kingdom. I will be there at some point this spring. Trade it or fade it. I hope your kids are better behaved than my kids were, but that's uh, besides the point here. I think (laughs) think everybody knows that we own Disney, uh, but this is sort of a short-term fade call, right? I I think what we saw from Netflix was positive. Uh, The results on the ad tier were definitely encouraging. It's all about driving profitability. We've talked about people paring back the number of subscriptions they had, looking for cheaper options. So sort of the ad-supported versions of Disney, Netflix, that's all good because they have higher revenue per user. I just think that Disney has kind of moved ahead of the report, some of that based on Netflix, some of that just based on the move we've seen generally in the space. So I just wouldn't be chasing the stock into the report. All right, Courtney Garcia, mom to a toddler herself, I'm sure watches a lot of Bluey. It's not just the kids these days. Adults watch Bluey, too. I watch Bluey. I'll admit it right now. Disney, Courtney, traded or faded? Yeah, Disney's always streaming in our household, definitely. Um, But, yeah, I mean, streaming, which Jeff brings up, I do think is something that maybe isn't going to be as fast-growing as people would like it to be. I am still optimistic on them, especially versus the Netflix. But also, when you look at their parks business, I think that still has a lot of room to run here. You've seen how well it's done over the last year. And I think the biggest thing for them is they have brought back in their CEO. I don't think you want to fight that. He's, continu- he's done very well for them. I think he's going to continue to do so. All right. There's a divergence in the force right now. Next up, we got CVS Health at Wednesday morning. Tim, what's your take on CVS? Yeah, there's there's a lot of clouds in their horizon, including PBM and, and just where they sit. I, you know, it's been a big disappointment. It's been a big disappointment for someone that owns Walgreens as well. And I think it's a tough space. I own Walgreens. So uh, that's where I'm betting on this one. I, I, I think there's a lot of bad news priced into CVS, but I don't see them changing the narrative. That's a faded, I think. Bono, when oh, I yeah. see, what do you think? Well, agreed to a certain extent. I do think there's a lot of news priced in, and I think the, uh, the valuation provides some margin of safety. I personally like the the aggressive push into primary health. They're not sitting pat and watching people kind of come after that drug business. So I think the move towards a more vertically integrated offering is, is exactly what investors want to see. Possibly medical centers and clinics out there. Wazoo there for CVS in the future. Moving on now, Lyft out with earnings next Thursday. Courtney, trade it or fade it? Yeah, Lyft, I almost I could have gone either way here, but for every positive, I do have a negative here, right? So they do have um, lower growth of their ridership, but at the same time, they do have more revenue per rider. Um, they do have dr- increased driver supply, but at the same time, they're going to have increased insurance costs, which is going to be continue to be a headwind for them. So I don't know what the catalyst is to push this further. I'd be a favor here. Oh, Tim Seymour, it's part of your lags trade. We love acronyms. It, it lags is. Trade. It is. I'm, I have to trade it, uh, so I'm trading it. It was also part of my slow money trade a few months back, and I, I just think that dynamic here. First of all, sequential growth probably of north of 20 percent, year-over-year growth of probably 70 or more percent. But I think you're combining cost-cutting, margin accretion, and just management that is is delivering better and communicating better. I think they can do a lot just by communicating better. Stocks had a massive run. I think you stay there. 
All right, lost half its value in the last year. Finally, let's talk about PepsiCo also out on Thursday. Bonowin, what do we think of the snacks and beverage giant? Uh, this is similar to Jeff's. This is a short-term fade for me. I, I really just wonder what we're seeing in terms of the rotation out of some of these staples into more high beta type of names. And I'm really curious to see what the unit economics look like. We've seen some exhaustion in terms of ability to raise prices. So in the short term, I'm fading it, but it's still a name I like long term. My kids love the Cheetos for sure. Jeff Mills, what do we think about PepsiCo? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt for now. Uh, the chart is still holding up. It's holding that upward sloping trend line barely, but it's still holding. It continues to make higher highs, higher lows. And as Bonham was talking about, you know, I do think that the defensive nature of the business comes back into favor later this year. So I'm going to trade it. All right. The trade it and the fade it. Well done, guys. Coming up on the show, Ryan Cohen. Yes, that Ryan Cohen is at it again. The company that's in his sights right now and what he might be able to do for it. That's coming up later on in the show. And later on Options Action, a fairy tale for Disney, question mark. We're laying out a trade that's looking for some real upside in the Magic Kingdom stock. You are watching Fast Money live from the NASDAQ market side right here in Times Square, New York City. We'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of Nordstrom, up 25% topping the tape as GameStop chairman. Yeah, that one, the Chewy founder, Ryan Cohen, launches his latest activist campaign. Cohen's buying a major stake in the retailer to shake up the company's board, likely targeting the seat of former Bed Bath & Beyond CEO Mark Tritton. Nordstrom seeing its best day since last March. I mean, Courtney... This is a stock that has a short interest component. There's a lot of people out there who are betting against it, and that might be one of the big reasons why that stock is up 25% today. It very well might be, and I think Nordstrom really has, um, I, I think it's, it's really lacked in expectations. I think people had a lot more expectations than what it has been able to meet over the last really several quarters here. And I do think what's interesting, too, is it's up um, specifically on this news of Ryan Cohen coming in as an activist investor. But I do think it's interesting is we're clearly going to see that investors want to see some sort of turnaround in Nordstrom. So whether anything happens with this or not, I think it will be interesting to see because it's a very closely held many family members who oversee Nordstrom. And clearly you're going to have to make some changes here to make investors happy. So I think it's going to be interesting to see, is this the catalyst they need to make some of those changes regardless. There are a lot of major shareholders. Can we we call an activist investor an opportunist? Because I don't think there's anything fundamental going on. What are you going to do to Nordstrom to change the story? I mean, it's a department store. We know what's happening there. And he's been extremely opportunistic. And I think you can do that, especially when there is this kind of short interest. I'll leave it at that. All right. Time now for our chart of the week. Check out shares of the XLE Energy ETF snapping a seven-week winning streak, dropping almost 6% since just Monday. So why has this trade been on low energy right now? Let's go around here. Jeff Mills, let's talk about XLE. Yeah, I feel like energy is just kind of getting set aside after that 30% outperformance from last year, the big rotation kind of away from areas like that into higher growth. But let's not forget, energy has trailed the overall market over the last 10 years by 150% or something like that still. So it's still trading at a multiple that I would consider pretty cheap. You know, we have seen a little bit of a dip in oil prices, so that's not helping. But I think throughout the year, oil probably well supported. And then if you look at some of the charts, again, momentum clearly pausing. But a lot of these names are back to support, and they're still an uptrend. So an EOG, a Chevron, ExxonMobil. So you, know, you may have to be a little bit patient here, but I think that this is an area you can stick with for the full year. 
All right, really quick, Bono, and what do we think about energy? Um, and I still think these companies are not going to cover off the ball in terms of earnings. They're returning cash to shareholders. But I think, as Jeff said, the rotation out of what has worked into more speculative spaces has really led to the or been a contributing factor to the underperformance. All right, quick word, Tim Seymour. Well, I just think you have triple, you know, 15-year resistance, triple resistance at, at these levels on the XLE. I'm an energy bull, but I think you're buying weakness on higher payout levels. You don't need to buy it tomorrow. The energy sector is moving higher in S&P weighting. All right, now it's time for the final trades. So let's go around the horn. Jeff Mills to you first. Yeah, I'm going to be a seller of DHI here. I was pretty positive on home builders all of last year, but this one's up 75%. It's near those 2021 highs. I think the, uh, the end of this big run is probably over. All right, Bono and Eisen. I don't really consider myself much of a shopper anyways, but I'm really not buying into this Nordstrom's news. So I'm going to fade that one. All right, so anti-Nordstrom there. Courtney Garcia. Um, Alibaba is actually quite a run recently, but it still trades pretty cheaply. Trades about 13 times forward earnings compared to like an Amazon, almost 50 times. Still a good buy. All right, and Tim Seymour. Dom, you sound like you're playing hurt a little bit today, so thank you for being here. It's and, a Friday. And I got to no do what I the can. word Dom, and, and I, I think the Jeff Mills and you have spent so much money at Disney that I'm a buyer of Disney into these earnings, and I think media stocks, if you'll notice, the momentum's there. All right, so that does it for here on Fast Money. Thanks very much to all of the panel here. Don't go anywhere. We've got a lot more coming up. Options action is coming up next. We'll see you in a bit. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.